Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. So we've been doing a, um, a series on the call. You can take a seat if you like. We're doing a series on the call of Christmas. And uh, last week we talked about Zachariah and what happened there. And today I'm going to talk about um, Mary and Joseph. And next week about the shepherds. And so they all had a call on their life from God. And we saw that and angels that were involved and all that stuff was going on. But also the call of Christmas isn't just about them. It's about you and about me and what is God calling you to this Christmas. So there's a couple of videos we're going to watch today. We're talking about Mary and Joseph. And uh, you're going to see two videos, one at the start now, one halfway through. And I want you to watch this. They're they're connected each week and uh, they connect the story of Christmas and everyone that was involved. So let's watch the screen this morning. In the ancient writings, a savior was prophesied. This would bring peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And it was written long ago that God would give us a sign. A young girl would conceive, though never having been with a man, and she would give birth to a baby boy. He would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mother? Father? You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For nothing is impossible with God. servant of the Lord. May everything you have said about me come true. (sighs) A young woman says yes to the unimaginable. Her story is not the first, nor the last, when God will ask great things of his people. 
And when we say yes, it can change everything. Isn't it amazing how many times in the Bible when an angel arrives, he says, don't be afraid. <laughs> I don't think he's trying to be scary. Um, but it's, an angel is a supernatural being that is different to anything we see in the world. And obviously, it's not something like, hi, how are you going? You know, it's like, oh, you look like the guy next door. No, you look totally different. And I'm freaked out when I see you. So even though they believe in angels and all that stuff, when they see one, it's still... A little bit scary by the looks of it. William Cook and Charles Wheatstone were British inventors in the 1830s. They are credited with the breakthrough technology in communications that enabled the first telegram to be sent via an electric telegraph system. On January 11, 1838, Samuel Morse sent the first telegram in the United States across two miles of wire at Speedwell Ironworks near Morristown, New Jersey. While the telegram continued to gain momentum as a means for delivering messages, people became anxious at their arrival because they often contained messages of bad news. A death has occurred, an accident has happened, a sickness has spread, a war has begun. Tragic news in short phrases is hard to receive. However, in 1933, Western Union, the American telegraph company, began offering singing telegrams as a way to make receiving messages more enjoyable and, and even fun. George P. Oslin was the public relations director of Western Union at the time that is credited with this new twist for receiving messages. Suddenly, receiving messages turned into something more exciting and popular. Mr. Oslin asked Western Union operator Lucille Lips, that's a great name, Lucille Lips, to, she, that's obviously she was the right one, uh, to sing the message over the telephone. This became the first singing telegram. From that day forward, an entire industry was born that enabled messages to be sent and received creatively with flair, fun, fanfare, and even embarrassment at times. Well, God did not see fit to send a singing telegram to deliver the message of the coming Messiah, Mary certainly would have described the angel's arrival as anything but ordinary or mundane. Luke's gospel records the unexpected message that was delivered by Gabriel, the angel, and received by Mary, the young woman from Nazareth. It was a, the opposite of bad news. In fact, it would become the start of good news, the gospel that would lead to salvation for all who would receive it into their lives as a personal message. Let me read to you Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. It says, Now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that was what we talked about last week. The angel Gabriel was sent uh, from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of the house of David, and the virgin's name, name was Mary. And coming to her, the angel said, Greetings, favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly perplexed at what he said, and kept carefully and she kept considering what kind of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen carefully, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great 
and eminent and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob that is Israel forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end Mary said to the angel how will this be since I'm a virgin of no intimacy with any man then the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a cloud. For that reason, the holy, holy and pure, that means pure and sinless child shall be called the Son of God. And listen, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For with God, nothing is or ever shall be impossible then mary said behold i am the servant of the lord may it be done to me according to your word and the angel left her and that's what we just watched about 25 years ago um, me and a group of other guys we used to what we started a youth group at Childers and used to drive every Friday night um, and start a, start a group out there. There was nothing. There was a very small church and it quickly grew to 50 or 60 kids on a Friday night in Childers and was an amazing uh, thing that happened. We did for about 18 months, two years and, and nearly every one of those kids that came to youth group got saved. And, um, and so we used to drive out every Friday night and we'd come back late at night. And one particular Friday night, we were driving back into Harvey Bale on the Dundarren, Cradenish Road that comes out near the service station as you drive in there. And uh, we came over the big hill. If you've driven out on that road, coming back into Harvey Bay, then you've got the long straight. And we're driving along that long straight. And there's a guy walking on the side of the road with a petrol can, a f like a five-litre uh, metal petrol can. And we just felt to stop those three guys in the car so we felt safe enough thought we should give this guy a lift obviously he's heading to the petrol station up the road there and so we pick him up and he jumps in the back of the car and he's a nicest guy and he starts and he says oh what are you guys doing he says oh we just we go out there and we've just run a youth group and then he goes oh that's so good you know that's so good and like and and just is really encouraging and so it's so good that that must be helping so many kids and just so good that you drive out all that way and each each week and do that and and we're it was only about a five minute drive and it was just really encouraging and had a quick chat and and all that didn't really talk about him at all but he just encouraged us and so we got to parked on the side of the road near the petrol station and he said oh thanks for that and i'll, I'll be right and and uh, i'll grab some fuel and and he gets out of the car and then he was walking around the back of the car and then we all went to look to see, uh, to say sort of, see you later and he wasn't there. And, um, and we're like, where'd he go? <laughs> like, and so we looked the other way and there was no one there and it wasn't like really dark. There was lights across, coming from across the road and it was like it wasn't kind of, he'd run into the bush or run into some long grass or something. There was just no, no one there. And so the petrol can wasn't there, he wasn't there and we all stopped and froze and we just sort of looked at each other and we we're all thinking the same thing, but we didn't say anything. And we're thinking, was that an angel? And so, and we've had plenty of conversations since uh, when we've met up and seen each other over the years. And we always come back, do you remember that night? And, um, and so, and then we started to think about the situation and we're going, come to think of it, we never saw a car on the side of the road that needed petrol. We just started to realise, hang on a minute, there was no car. Because he said, oh yeah, I was just can't walk down the road, my car, needed some petrol for my car, and we didn't see a car. And so we believe, or I believe, we, we all do, that that was an encounter with an angel. And the Bible talks about just be careful about how you treat people because you never know that you could be entertaining an angel. They come in different forms. He didn't say, 
fear not, and start glowing. Um, he just he just looked like a normal guy. So uh, that was all good. But uh, so angels aren't always scary but they come in different ways. And so you never know. And I'm sure some of you are sitting here that have probably seen an angel, whether you realize it or not, or interacted with one. So this message from the angel was anything but tragic or sad for Mary. On the contrary, this unbelievable news from the lips of Gabriel to the ears of Mary was a call to provide. So I just want to talk about that today. There's so many things you could share in this story. We're going to talk about a couple of different things. Verse 26 says that in the six months, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city called, uh, in Galilee called Nazareth. A uh, city in Nazareth is quite a contrast compared to the city of Jerusalem that we talked about last week where Zachariah saw the angel in the temple. Jerusalem's a grand city where Nazareth is kind of out in the sticks, out in the country. In fact, in John 1.46, the locals refer to Nazareth as this, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so they're like, it's kind of like, it's like Hicksville, it's like whatever, I don't know what you call it, but it's like out there, it's not much good, no one's good out there, it's a poor place or whatever it may be, their opinion of it wasn't very good. But at the end of the day, God sends an angel to both Jerusalem to give a message to a priest in the temple just as quickly as he seeks out a small town on the outskirts of the country hills of Nazareth for a visitation. All real estate on the earth is an equal opportunity for God to do something great and, no, and a place and a call to provide for the next part of his plan. No matter if you live in the big city or in the country or on the right side of the tracks, or the wrong side of the tracks, in the high tax bracket, or low tax bracket, or below the poverty line, God knows where you are, and how to send his message your way. He's calling you this Christmas, and that's why this message is not just about them, but it's about us, and what God is doing in us. Wherever you are this Christmas, God can use you to be a part of his plan, and to do his will. He's aware of your whereabouts. That can, be, that can be scary also. And he has plans for you regardless of where you come from or where you live. Verse 27 goes on to tell us that God sent Gabriel to Mary, a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The fact that it states Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph meant they were not merely just engaged how we think of it. A Jewish engagement resulted in a marital status which was as sacred as marriage itself. The commitment and covenant were just as strong beforehand in the eyes of that culture and time. It was also a fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah 7.14. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. So this is a sign what happened. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So the message from the angel to Mary includes a reminder that the Lord is with you because that's what Emmanuel means and that's what the angel spoke to her and the name for the coming Messiah stated in Isaiah's prophecy also mentions the word Emmanuel meaning that God is with us or the Lord is with you and the word salvation also means sorry with the word Jesus means he is here to save he is our salvation Jesus name was also mentioned in that so the clear message from God in this is a reminder that God is with us that God is with you, 
that he is your salvation. That he's here, he's not distant, but he's present. She was being called to provide a womb and nurturing motherhood for the salvation that would come to the world. That's a slightly big responsibility when you think about it. And that's why she starts to think about um, what does all this mean? You start in a moment, this angel saying all this stuff and she's like, what, what, what? In verse 29, Mary is trying to work it all out. But she was greatly perplexed, the Bible says, at what he said and kept carefully considering what kind of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God. Listen carefully, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son. You shall call him Jesus. He will be great and eminent and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, which is Israel forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So what did she provide? Mary provided herself. And God would do the rest. That's what he was asking. He was saying, Mary, will you give me your life? As Mary's processing the message from the angel, she asked a logical question, which all of us would probably ask. Mary said to the angel, how will this be? In other words, how is this possibly going to happen? I'm a virgin, have no intimacy with a man. This is not a statement of unbelief. Rather, it was a question of trying to understand what is going on. And God never gets tired or frustrated with our questions asking what is going on. Or asking honest questions to God about how is this going to work. It's okay to ask God questions. The angel replied to her, and this I want to focus on this one thing before we move on to Joseph. That the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit explains this is how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a cloud. For that reason, the holy and pure sinless child should be called the Son of God. Luke notes that God's power is going to overshadow Mary in the process. So what does that mean? The word for overshadow in the original language is espicazazo and carries the sense of the holy, powerful presence of God. The same meaning from this word is how the cloud covered and overshadowed the tabernacle when the tent was filled with the glory of God from the Old Testament in Exodus. It says in Exodus 40, 34 and 35, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This is the same word. This is what happened to Mary in this moment. The same imagery and feel from how the presence of God is described in the Old Testament reference is above the same imagery and feel with the word overshadowed here in the details of Gabriel's message to Mary. God's presence through his Holy Spirit is going to be thick and at work in such a way that it's clear something holy is happening in the moment. Maybe there's been a moment in your life where you've experienced that kind of glory. Maybe you've walked into a church one day. Maybe you've been in prayer or in, in your house or where it may be. But there's been a moment where you've felt the overwhelming, overshadowing power and presence of God. Bible scholar William Hendrickson 
notes that the overshadowing or covering which Luke speaks of in here in verse 35 is not a static but active. It is creative and productive. It causes Mary to conceive a child. So it's not just a glory that is just there, but it's actually creative. Like when God spoke things in the beginning at the, at the book of Genesis. When the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters, the Holy Spirit was there. It's that same glory. It's that same presence. And God spoke things into being. The angel spoke what God wanted to say and she conceived the child. In that moment, it happened. Life soon abounds where the active Spirit of God is at work. The overshadowing Spirit, therefore, not only protects, but it also creates. N.T. Wright goes on to suggest that God's power from outside and the indwelling Spirit within together result in things being done which would have, not been, un- which would have been unthinkable any other way. It's... It's why sometimes I've heard testimonies where suddenly God has come into a building or into a place and and miraculous healings and creative miracles and arms have grown back and and body and internal organs have been restored to brand new and and all these things have happened in a moment because it's the same type of glory that overshadows and comes upon because it's not just static, it's creative. And Mary responded with trust and submission to God's will in verse 38 because she believed what the angel reminded her in verse 37. Verse 37 says, For God nothing is or ever shall be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel left her. Her response is amazing. Because you think about everything she's just went through and seen, and she responds with, "Whatever you just, whatever you've just said, I will do. No questions asked. I don't understand exactly how it's going to happen. You've explained some, but I will do it exactly what you want, whichever way you want to do it." Which is a massive call. The fact that nothing is impossible with God is one of the most hopeful statements of reality found in the entire Bible. We sung about it this morning. There's the miracles in this house. There's a God of miracles. It's a house of miracles. What is your impossible this Christmas that the Lord wants to remind you is not impossible with Him? What's your impossible this Christmas? Because if God can come in his glory and supernaturally come over Mary and do all these amazing things we see all through the Bible, he is more than able to come into your situation. Is your impossible situation at work, at school, with your finances, your marriage, a strained relationship with your kids, all that may seem lost, it's not lost with God. It's not impossible with God. What if your call of Christmas is a reminder that nothing is impossible and the Savior is on the scene? What if your call is like Mary's, a call to provide God's space in your life to take up residence within you, to overshadow you and begin to work in and through your life circumstances? He is with you. He is Emmanuel. He is Jesus. The Lord is salvation. All you need to do is provide the Spirit of God's space in your life 
to take up residence to begin a new work in you. Mary did, and look what happened. You might ask God to produce in you, ask God to produce in you as you answer his call this Christmas. Will you provide all of who you are to all of who God is? Nothing is impossible. And that's a question, one question today. The first question is, what's your impossible that you need God to come in and do, that you can't do on your own, that the person next to you can't do, but God can? I want to remind you of that today. We're going to watch a second video about Joseph. Let's watch the screen. There were 14 generations between Father Abraham and King David. 14 more generations between David and the Babylonian exile. And 14 generations later, the great king would be born. A 2,000 year lineage comprised of slaves and kings, heroes and adulterers, prophets and prostitutes. They were the faithful and the faithless. So what kind of king would this be? While many dreamed of the day this king would come, it began as a real-life nightmare for one man. A good man, with God's lot cast upon him. Joseph. Joseph. I promise you, Joseph, I am telling you the truth. I'm not saying you don't believe it. I'm just saying... I don't know if I do. So, what are you saying? Take her as your wife. She's pregnant! I haven't been with her! The baby's not mine! Mary is your wife. I can't do this! I don't... I don't want to hurt her. But I... I can't. Joseph, you are a descendant of David. Your ancestors have taken great steps of faith, and now it is time for you to step out. Take Mary as your wife. But the baby is... What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It is prophecy fulfilled. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Emmanuel. Messiah. 
a heavenly visitation. And what was distressing became a blessing. A blessing that would challenge Joseph's faith, demand every ounce of his character, and forever alter the course of his life and yours. God with us. What kind of king would this be? Alrighty, that's pretty powerful. Those who uh, study and research sleep patterns and dreams suggest a person averages between four and six dreams each night. Each dream typically lasts in the range of 5 to 20 minutes. Over the average person's lifespan, the amount of nightly dreaming equates to six years of their life. It's a lot of dreaming. Dreams and dream references have, not, um, have been written about and conveyed via art throughout history. Not only are dreams referenced over 100 times in the pages of the Bible that include how God supernaturally communicated to people through this medium, but also people today convey stories on a regular basis of the same divine communication. While research suggests 95 to 99% of a person's dreams are forgotten after they awake, some dreams are both unforgettable and life-changing. Dr. Jim Dennison has written extensively about a global phenomenon that is happening especially among Muslims. Muslim people it includes the presence of dreams. And I don't know if you've, some of you would have heard about this happening around the world. I have for quite a number of years now. He notes how statistics and stories suggest more Muslims have come to Christ in the last 15 years than in the previous 15 centuries. Many Muslims are responding to visions and dreams. Denison notes, God speaks to us in whatever language and ways we can understand. He became one of us so that we might be one with him. He goes on to say, Muslims' miraculous stories are especially persuasive to me because those who share them have so little to gain and so much to lose. Many Muslim converts are exiled from their families and homes. Many are tortured and many are killed. Their courageous faith is a testimony to the hope found only in Jesus and the transforming power of the Spirit. I read an article recently that it's happening in Gaza. As we speak, they said there's been angels and Jesus has spoken to people and all kinds of supernatural stuff is going on in that whole region as at right now. One of Dr. Dennison's dear friends is a man named Tom Doyle. Mr. Doyle is a long-time missionary to the Middle East. He tells a story of this astounding movement from Egypt to Saudi Arabia, from Iran to Jordan, from Syria to Iraq and Afghanistan. His stories read like the pages of the book of Acts. He tells the story of an Egyptian evangelist who was rousted from his bed at gunpoint and forced into a room where he was convinced he would be executed. There he met a group of imams, mosque leaders, who had been converted to Christ through visions and dreams and wanted him to teach them the Bible. That's one way to demand um, Bible training right there. <laughs> There's another story of a woman in Saudi Arabia who met Jesus in her dreams and now worships uh, in her bathroom, she prays for her husband to come to Christ. Denison asked a great question, why is the Holy Spirit using dreams to reach Muslims today? His answer, because they are open to such revelation, as their faith began with the visions of Prophet Muhammad. 
since 60 to 80% of Muslims in the Muslim world are illiterate, 60 to 80% are illiterate, God would need to speak to them verbally and directly into their lives. He writes, The God who spoke to patriarchs, prophets and apostles through visions is now speaking to Muslims in the same way. Long ago, the Lord did what he continues to do today. The Isaiah prophet uh, wrote, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. That verse certainly summarized the call of Christmas for Joseph. (laughs) It would be a call to protect not only Mary, whom he would take as his wife, but also the Christ child that would be born of a virgin bride by the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew uh, 1, 18 to 25 tells a story of how the angel of the Lord gave this call through a dream in the night. Let me read that. Now, in the, now the verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her promised husband, began adjust, ad, being a just and righteous man and not wanting to expose her publicly to shame, planned to send her away and divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, meaning the Lord is salvation. For he will save his people from their sins. All this happened in order to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which when translated means God with us. Then Joseph awoke from his sleep and, and, and did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary to, be, uh, to his home as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until she had given birth to a son, her firstborn child, and he named him Jesus, the Lord is salvation. It is interesting that throughout the call of Christmas in the gospel accounts, the presence of angels only occurs in the, in the dreams to Joseph. Zechariah, Mary, and as we'll see next week, the shepherds all receive their angelic call when they're awake. But Joseph, God speaks to Joseph in a dream. It just goes to show that God knows how to speak to people in different ways. Sometimes the way he speaks to the person next to you might be different to you. And sometimes we get caught up going, how come someone might say, I heard God speak to me audibly. And they're like, oh, you must be some super saint or something or other. Whatever. And someone, well, God's never spoken to me, you know, that way. Or God speaks to me when I'm in prayer or when I'm singing a song or when I'm, you know, sitting on the beach. And so sometimes don't get worried about how God is speaking to someone else because God will speak to you in the way that you need to hear it. God knows how to communicate with you. Emotions would have been running high for Joseph and fear and all that stuff going on when he's suddenly going, I'm going to marry this girl and she's pregnant and it's not me. And then in that culture, it's like, you guys are super bad. Like, it's, you guys have blown it. You guys were, you know, they look down on you and, and his whole reputation would have been shot. So he's thinking about all this stuff. Joseph, her promised husband, had been, it says, a just and righteous man and not wanting to publicly um, humiliate or um, shame her, planned to send her away and divorce her quietly. So he had a plan. He says, look, I don't want to hurt you, Mary, so we'll just divorce quietly and, and you go live there and I'll live there and everything will be okay. Also, if he did that, it would protect his righteousness and reputation. 
So with his mind full of all this plan and ideas, he goes to sleep, but that's when God comes and speaks to him and messes the whole thing up for Joseph. He begins to speak to him about the name of the child. He says, okay, marry Mary. It's going to be okay. It's supernaturally conceived. This is a supernatural thing. He starts to talk about the name. While Jesus was a popular name that many boys have been given, on the contrary, no parent in their right mind would give their son the name Emmanuel because it carried so much pressure and expectation because the angel tells him that it's, it's, it's Jesus, but it means Emmanuel. It's, pro- it's prophecy fulfilled. And so he gets that revelation at the end of that video going, this is Messiah. This is like, it's like going, oh, here's my baby, Messiah. You know? And then if they did that, they're like, what? It's like, you, how, how proud are you? You can't name your son that. How dare you? You imagine all the stuff. And so he's like dealing with this. You know? And so he understands this, but he said, name him Jesus. So Emmanuel meaning God with us and Jesus meaning the Lord is salvation are woven all through the Christian story, the Christmas story. God is present with his people. God doesn't intervene from a distance, but is always active, sometimes in the most unexpected ways. God is always there. So here's another question for today. There's three questions. Is there a situation you are going through this Christmas that desperately needs a God intervention in an unexpected way. Perhaps you have a desperate need for healing. Perhaps you have a desperate need for provision. Perhaps you have a desperate need for forgiveness. Jesus knows where you are and what you need because that's what his name means. God with us, the Lord is salvation. He knows where you are, he's with you, and he's able to save you in whatever situation that is. He wants you to call him by name and ask and keep on asking for him to show up in your life. The question is, are you ready for his answer? I'm not sure if Joseph was ready or not or expecting that answer. He had kind of had a plan. Sometimes we have a plan, have it all worked out, going, oh God, as long as you do it this way, this way, this way, this way, I'll be fine. And God says, well, it's not your plan. You've asked me for help, you're going to do it my way. Oh no, it has to be done. No, no, no. And so God will sometimes show up and break through in your situation and ask you to do something that you're not even maybe comfortable with or not prepared to step out into. And he says, oh, you can have the breakthrough, you can have the miracle, but let's do it this way. And you go, oh, but that's not the way he did it for them. That's not, but he said, that's the way I want to do it for you. God doesn't do it the same for everybody. And that's what he did with Joseph. And what came next? Then Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary to, be, to, to his home to be his wife, but he kept her in a virgin, a, as a virgin until she had given birth to a son, her firstborn child. They named him Jesus. The Lord is salvation, it says. So the next thing that Joseph did, which is like Mary is that Joseph had immediate obedience, which is one of the main points of this whole thing, that he had immediate obedience. The dream the Lord had given Joseph as he slept and the angelic call that came in the night resulted in immediate action. It was unforgettable and life-changing. It wasn't like one of the dreams you've maybe had when you're asleep and you don't remember it. It was life-changing. 
It happened. He couldn't forget it. He had to take action on it. And he could have ran away. He could have run away from God's plan, but he had immediate obedience. The amazing thing is if you keep reading, and we haven't got time to read the scriptures, but three other times God came to Joseph in dreams when Jesus was young. When uh, Herod threatened to kill baby Jesus, the Bible says that an angel came to Joseph in a dream and said, go to Egypt, and he had immediate obedience. Then when he's in Egypt, he, um, they hear that Herod died. An angel comes again in his dream and says, move back to Israel. And immediately they obeyed and went back to Israel. Then again, an angel came to his dream and said, I want you to move to Nazareth. And they moved to Nazareth and they had immediate obedience. Immediate obedience was a characteristic of Joseph's life. The pattern of Joseph hearing the call to protect his family followed by immediate obedience is what we need to be practicing in our lives. And that's the challenge and the call of the third thing, the call of Christmas today is, do you have immediate, immediate obedience? And that's a challenging question because we probably all don't. There's times when you probably have and there's times when you probably haven't. There's times when, when the Holy Spirit said, oh, you should do this. And you've gone, yeah, I'll do that. And there's times when it's a little bit tough or a bit challenging. And, oh, no, I don't think I can do that today. That's a bit too challenging. Oh, God, we have to do it that way. Do you want me to do that? I'm a bit tired. But Joseph had immediate obedience. What is it that God is calling you to do this Christmas as the band wants to come up as we finish today? What is it that God is calling you to do this Christmas immediately? Here's a challenge. Is there a habit that needs to be stopped immediately? Is there an addiction that needs to be admitted immediately? Is there a relationship that needs to be cultivated immediately? Is there a move that needs to be made immediately? When we hear the call of God in our lives... We may be people who may we be people who respond with immediate obedience. Now I understand that's a challenging question. Because some of you are thinking, oh, is there some things in my life that I need to sort out? So the three things we talked about today is that nothing is impossible, we learn. That Mary listened to what the angel said and believed it, that nothing is impossible. That when we provide space for God in our lives, he begins to work in our life situations. He overshadows us and comes upon us when we allow room for the Holy Spirit to fill us. And God loves and honours immediate obedience. Why don't you stand to your feet today? So there's some challenging things to think about. You thought you'd come to church for doing a nice little Christmas story. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.